Let's go, just while you're right there in Proverbs, we've been talking, just stay right there in Proverbs 3 with me. We've been talking about overcoming the world, and i got just a couple more weeks on some things. Man, some things keep stirring up on me in the inside of me just through the Scriptures. But remember last week, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, here's the thing we all must understand. I cannot desire the things of the world more than I desire the things of God. I can't desire this world order more than, than, than the things of God. And so, you know, at times I can sense the, the scriptures saying to me through the Holy Ghost, quit dabbling in the things of the world. That when you put all your trust, your emphasis on the things of the world, they're going to let you down, guys. Okay? And so let's look here just briefly at, at Proverbs 3, verse 25 while we're there. And then we're really going to jump into it again tonight. It says, do not be afraid of sudden terror. Don't be afraid of sudden terror. Now, that's, that's an interesting phrase because I believe the Lord says, you know what? There in, in the Psalms, he said, I'm going to give my angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You know, part of that Psalm there, 92, it says that, that he's given his angels charge over us, but he said, a thousand will fall at your, your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. And so it's just getting where we say, okay, Father God, I'm going to trust you even in this area. And he says, nor of trouble from the wicked one when it comes. Don't be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked one when it comes. Now, I've understood this as a believer. It's not if it comes. There's going to be things that come our direction in life. But you know what? I just hold fast to the things of God. And I realize, okay, God, you're going to help me through this. I'm looking to you, Lord. He says, verse 26, for the Lord will be your confidence. It didn't say your confidence is in the lottery. It didn't say your confidence is in Wall Street. It didn't say your confidence is in the price of a barrel of oil right now. It says i got to get to the place my confidence is in God. Look what he goes on and says, And will keep your foot from being caught. And so when I looked at that, it's like a trap. There's things that are going to try to get us to be in a trap, but God's always with us. He's going to be there for you when you put your confidence in Him. And one of the greatest things you can begin your day with is saying, Father God, I wake to you today. I wake to your goodness, your mercy today. I wake to your protection today. I wake to your covering today, Lord. I mean, this is one of the best things you can do. You give the Lord the first fruits of your day. I mean, when you walk out and get that newspaper, you begin to praise God and thank God and say, Father God, I welcome you into my day. Now watch what will begin to happen. Now go into the book of Luke, back into the New Testament. Let's start in Luke 21 here. Luke 21. And let's let the Word of God teach us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you tonight to, to give us understanding here, to enlighten the Scriptures here, Father God, that you birth in each one of us. Your, your, your power and your love here. Okay, Luke 21, verse 34. And it says, But take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Now notice right here, it didn't say take heed to your spouse. Take heed. See, you guys, I, I just got to take heed to myself. The Amplified says, Be on guard. What am I to be on guard for? Well, let's keep reading. But take heed to yourself. Least your heart, the condition of your heart, be weighed down. 
Now where it says weighed down, it means overburdened. And so if he's warning us here to be sure that we don't let our hearts get overburdened or weighed down, there must be some things here, guys, that can overburden us. So the word's going to teach us here through Jesus, right here. He says, don't be weighed down with carousing. Now that word carousing there means self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, if we could go around the room, it could apply in so many different areas of our lives. He's warning us here, when we get over in self-indulgence, it's going to weigh you down. Now just think about this in your life. What are areas of self-indulgence that you know in your life, I'm out of order, Lord. I'm, I'm way out of balance. Well, this is what the Word will do. It will bring you back in here. The second thing he says is drunkenness. Now, that's a good one, guys. And you know what? I'm not going to stand up here and preach a sermon on alcohol and that stuff, but I'm going to tell you right there, it's interesting that this is one of the main topics here that Jesus mentions in this verse. Now, some people say to me, well, Pastor, I can show you biblically where it's okay to drink. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not going to sit here and debate that with you. He said right here, he didn't say, hey, drink. He said drunkenness. But I don't get drunk except five times a year. My birthday, New Year's, the company Christmas party, and when I go to Texas Tech tailgate football games and I tailgate, and I get slobbered drunk, Pastor. Now, don't shout me down right there, guys. You better learn to read the Bible, okay? You got to understand here, you can't. See, right here, this isn't multiple choice. Jesus didn't say, there's five of them here. Do your best with three of them, okay? Then you're exempt from the rest. Get out of jail free card here. Do whatever you want. No, that's not what he said. Okay, the second one is drunkenness. Then he goes into a good one here. And he says, and the cares of this life. The worldly worries, or the worldly worries that pertain to everyday life. The cares of this life. Now, I want to highlight something here, guys. He didn't say the cares of this life were sin, did he? He just said, these things will weigh you down. Now, here's a question that you got to ask yourself. Does God come first? Does God become our priority, or do the cares of this world, do they dictate what I do? Now, I can jump back over, guys, and you can say this is Old Testament, but there where it talks about the Ten Commandments, it says, honor the Lord on the Sabbath. How many people in our society right now, we don't. We're dictated by the things of this world. You know what? It is shocking to me anymore on Sundays that when, when you go to church... How many of these soccer complexes are full with people on Sundays? Now, does that send you to hell? No, but it does show me again that we've let these things of the earth dictate whether I'm going to serve God or not. And so that's why I love Wednesday nights, because you know what I see with people? They say, we want the things of God. We want the things. If you can't preach on a Wednesday night, your preacher doesn't work. It's easy to preach on Wednesday nights. Because people don't come out of here out of, of obligation. They come and say, I want the Word of God. I want the things of God. Now, let's go a little farther there. And so he talks about these things and he says, 
And that day come upon you unexpectedly. And so there's a warning here that these things, uh, they can weigh you down. And guys, whether you want to believe it or not, Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back. I mean, you know, you look at all the things that are going around in our world right now. Even last week, some of the tornadoes last week, guys, were records. Incredible what happened. I was around a guy today who he, he loves to look into the solar system, the galaxies. That's a little too far advanced for me. I mean, I look like, okay. But he said there was a huge crash in the solars this week. He said, unlike anything that's ever seen. And so he began to share with me, and I thought, these are some of the things that are going on. Now, it's not going to be the big things in our life that knock us out. I want you to think about what got Adam and Eve in trouble. It was over a little simple thing, just a little thing, over this piece of fruit. Whether it was an apple, I don't know, it may have been a fig, I don't know. But it was a simple piece, it wasn't nothing big. It wasn't like Adam and Eve looked up and said to God, we hate you. We're not going to live for you. They didn't do that, guys. It was something very simple. Well, I think this is what Jesus is trying to tell us right here. You know, in, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 15, it says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little things that we do or don't do on a daily basis. And so I want you to think about this right here. That these are things that become literally a trap to us. Now keep reading. Verse 36, or 35. For it, that day, will come as a snare or a trap. And look what it says next. And I want you to catch this word. On all, A-L-L, all, those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. It didn't say a few. It didn't say uh, the majority, it's set on all. And so I'm going to tell you right now, you know what he's telling us there? It's going to surprise every one of us. Now that doesn't mean we're going to be left behind, but he is saying here, you better stay alert. Stay, stay in tune. Verse 36, watch therefore and pray when? Always. That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And so right here, would Jesus warn us to watch and pray always? If there wasn't something behind that? No. So this is what I believe he's telling us as believers. In other words, don't put your guard down. Don't get comfortable. Look, look back to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I think this will help us here a little bit more. It's just kind of coming to me tonight. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible right here. Luke 10. Some of you will know right where I'm going. Luke 10, verse 38. Now listen here with me. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him in her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. 
Now I want you to remember what it said earlier there. It, Jesus said that she was distracted with much serving. He wasn't saying there, guys, she was distracted with a lot of sin. It may not be a sin issue. It may be that we get so busy that we forget about the number one priority. And this is what Jesus gets to here. Now look what he says next in, in verse, let's go back to verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. I can hear it in his voice. Martha, Martha. Chill, dear. Chill. You, you are messed up because of all your busyness. Just chill. Just chill. It's chill. You're worried and troubled about many things. Now look at what Jesus said. But one thing is needed. He didn't say ten things. I don't want to tilt your brain, all you men. You know, we can only do one thing at a time. He said one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now to go back and see what that was, look back at, at verse 39 and look what that was. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and he heard his word. And she heard his word. Now get that right there, guys. Because if we're not careful, we can get overburdened and distracted by the littlest things in the world. But what did Jesus tell us right here? One thing is needed. You know what that one thing was? That I got to take time, but not only take time, it must be my priority to get into His presence, to get into the Word of God and come to His feet and hang out with Him right there. Does that mean Jesus is against you doing anything else? No. But He's saying right here, this must be numero uno. You got to make this priority. And so when we do this, guys, I'm going to tell you, when I start my day and it centers around Jesus, I'm telling you, you know what happens? It sets the tone for the rest of my day. It sets the tone. And you know, whether it's early in the morning at my house that I begin to get up and I just begin to speak the things of God. And I love to do that. I love to just start speaking the things of God. But then even when I get to the office, you know what I'll do? This happens almost every morning, guys. I'll read a number of the Proverbs. You know, it's easy, whatever the day of the month is, you read that proverb, and you just read it and digest it and let that just get on the inside of you. And then I always read some more, whether one of the Psalms, or I'm in Isaiah right now. Actually, tomorrow will be in Isaiah 60 tomorrow. I know right where I'm going. Then I get over into the New Testament, and I'll read at least one, if not two chapters in the New Testament. Just to stir me up on Jesus' word. And then after that, you know what I got? I got the dessert. And it's a book called the book of Jasher. And I read a chapter of that every day. It stirs me up, man. It gets me back into Old Testament. I know there's some of you in here. I know the Paytons. They're, they're Jasher freaks now too. We're always comparing things on the book of Jasher. What I'm doing, guys, is I'm feeding my faith. I'm feeding my faith. And then you know what I do? Right now, and I'm not saying look at me. I'm the man of the hour. But just things in my life that have helped me. I probably have a hundred affirmations right now that I speak on a daily basis. 
And what I mean by an affirmation, I begin to go around, I begin to honor Jesus, I begin to thank Jesus. You know, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I begin to say so. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. What have I been redeemed from? Poverty, sickness, and death. So I walk in life. I walk in the Zoe, the God kind of life. I walk in the, the divine health. I walk in prosperity. I'm prospering spirit, soul, and body. I begin to speak these things over me. And then I get over on my wife and my kids, my parents, and my relatives. Guys, I begin to speak the things of God over them. And then guess what? I get over on you guys. And oh, man, I tell God, saturate them today with the Holy Ghost. Satch them today with righteousness, peace, and joy. And man, I'll do that. And then I just keep going, I keep going. And, and I don't even, I used to have these cards. And man, I'd read my cards and... Man, it just rolls out of me. I just rolls out. Fill me today, Father God, with the gifts of the Spirit. Fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. I thank you today, Father God, that your love is bound in my heart. Love for you, love for the Word, love for the blood, love for people. I thank you today, Father God, that you said that you've blessed me the righteous and your favor surrounds me like a shield. And I just rolled. And so what have I done? I've made him priority. And when I leave the basement, it's like I got a Superman suit on. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up for the death. Yes, yes, yes. And so you know what? All that is, it comes to saying, okay, Lord, I got to do this. I got to make this priority. I got to get at the feet of Jesus. Now, we got to move. I'm taking too much time. Go to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. I want you to see some things in here tonight that's going to stir us up. I don't even know if I'm going to get to where we wanted to or where I needed to tonight. But you know what? There's always another Wednesday. Right? That's a good thing about the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. Now, I begin to meditate on that, on the ten virgins. And when you think about that, what, what would be the first adjective that would describe a virgin to you? To me, it was purity. Purity, that's what I thought. And so, you know right there? I believe the Lord saying, and the ten virgins, or the ten that are pure in heart. Now, what does that mean to me and you? It, doesn't say, it didn't say the ten that are perfect. It said the ten that are pure in heart. So here's what I want us to understand even about that tonight. Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that may be a huge revelation to some of you tonight. You've sinned. No, I have. Yes, you have. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all blown it. I don't care how special you are. We've all sinned. And so right here he's telling us just because we've blown it, guys, doesn't mean we can't have a pure heart. How do I keep a pure heart? Man, when I blow it in life, I begin to repent. I get back right with God. Thank the Lord that through the blood of Jesus my sins are washed away. So you can have the heart of a virgin. Okay? Keep reading. Who he took their lamps and he went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Do you know what the message says? Five were smart and five were silly. Those who were silly took their lamps and took no oil with them. They had no forethought. You know why? Not today. It's not going to happen today. Verse 4. But the wise took the oil in their vessels with their lamps. You know what that means? They were prepared. They made a decision in their heart. They said, 
we're going to be responsible. Verse 5. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Now, once again, that word all jumps out to me. They all slumbered and slept. And so when you look at this, was he talking about physical here or was he talking about our spirit? Spiritually at times, if you're not careful, do you put your guards down? He's getting back over here and Jesus, I believe right here, is he's talking to us about the necessity of being prepared. That I stay ready. Verse 6. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. That word trimmed was a cosmetic reason. It means to beautify, to decorate, to put in order. And the foolish or the silly said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Now, that's a big point because I want us to fully understand this tonight. You're not getting to heaven off of somebody else's faith. Not going to happen. You know what? There are no grandkids in heaven. Just kids. Just children. And so right here, when I see this here, I'm going to tell you, the way we, we get into the right place and the right heart with God is because my choices. Because the responsibility I take in my life. I'm going to tell you right now, the day we stand before Jesus and you try to look and you say, I'm not, I'm not doing right because it's Jesse's fault. I was going to say, uh-uh, uh-uh. Remember, that was what, what got Adam in trouble. He said, it's that woman you gave me. It's that woman you gave me. And see, right there, that doesn't cut it with God. He's going to look and say, no, 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 no. It's you. And this is what's going on here, verse number 9. But the wise answered, saying, no, least there should not be enough for us and in you, but go rather to those who sell... And buy for yourselves. Stay prepared. And so while they went to buy, while they went to buy, you know what this tells me? They didn't pay the price. The bridegroom came and those who were ready or prepared went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Now you know what's interesting right there? When Noah got on the ark, the door was shut too. And when the door shut, you know what that meant? It's over. It's over. Now look what happens here when the door was shut. Verse 11. And afterward, the other virgins came also and saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Now if you'll note right there where it says, Lord, Lord, that verse is cross-referenced. It's cross-referenced into Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, the Lord said, I never knew you, you who practiced lawlessness or did not obey my commands. And so evidently here, guys, get this picture. There's going to be ones that will say, Lord, Lord, out of their mouth, but yet Jesus said, depart from me, I did not know you. Now, every time I read that, guys, man, there's something that stirs up on the inside of me because in that passage, those people in Matthew 7, they said to him, but Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And you know what the Lord said? 
I never knew you. Maybe you, you knew about me, but I never knew you. In other words, you didn't take the time. You knew me in form. You knew me from Aunt Susie, but you didn't know me. And every time I read this, guys, this begins to jump out on me. Where I begin to say, Father God, I want to know you. I want to know you in an intimate way. Now keep reading. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And at this point, it's now too late. Verse 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You don't know any of that. None of it. Now, I believe these are the times, guys, we begin to get into. More and more and more and more and more and more. And when you begin to study the Scriptures, and I'm going to get into this just a little bit tonight. In, in Revelations, it talks about three of the main things that will happen in the end times to try to distract us. Revelations 13, and you can read it, it talks about the political agenda. That it's going to change politically here. Now, when I begin to think about that, I read Revelations 13 several times today. It's very important to see what one man or one woman can do, whether for the kingdom of God or for the devil's kingdom. I mean, one person can change the entire course of a nation. And so I say that right now, and I'm telling you, do not vote this year based on economic reasons only. I hear people saying, well, I'm going to vote for this person because he's promised me this or this. I'm going to tell you, you vote for that, you better get ready. What do we vote for? I'm telling you guys, I pray right now that when candidates stand up, they say, I love Jesus. I love the things of the kingdom. You will say, Lord, show us, show us their integrity. Show us their character. And you know what some of you may say tonight? Well, pastor, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I'm none. I'm a Christocrat. I vote for people that represent Jesus. I'm going to tell you that now. And so the political agenda, guys, it's going to be huge. It's, it's happening right now. It's going on in our whole world. You look at all the things that are going on. The second area that will mark part of the end times is found in Revelations 17. And it's, it talks about religion. And if you read that in there, you're going to see over and over that it's referred to as the woman or her. Well, what that's referring back to is the things of this world, but it'll come from a religious nature. And you know what the devil understands? If I can dominate here on this earth politically, I got him. If I can dominate here religiously, I got him. What do you mean religiously? Well, you know, right now in America, or not in America, in the world, there's over a billion Muslims. And you know what I can tell you about the Muslims? God loves every one of them. God loves every one of them. But my Bible tells me, the only way to the Father is through the Son, Jesus. Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. In other words, they're not a bunch of gods. And I'm going to boldly say this tonight. The God that we serve, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Hebrew God, Yahweh, 
is not the same as Allah. Not the same, guys. I'm going to tell you right now. When people say, oh, can't we all just get along? We serve the same God. No, we don't. No, we don't. You know what? I don't pray to the God of stars. I pray to the very God who created the stars. You know, that's what I look at. So that's the second big one. The third one is in Revelations 18. Go there real quick. I don't know that we need to, but we're running out of time. We're still going to try. Revelations 18, and you say, what is it about? Well, it's about commercialism, guys. I encourage you to read this chapter and read it and read it and read it. Now, I'm going to read just a couple verses here, and then we're going to jump for time's sake. Revelations 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illuminated by this glory. And he cried mighty with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, has become a dwelling place of what? Demons? A prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now, that's not good. Now, Babylon in the New Testament is a symbol of sinful humanity. Of our greed, of our ambitions that aren't right. And so he begins to go down through here, and it's a culture that represents rebellion toward God. You look right now in our society, I, I, since I've been alive, and I've been alive a whopping 51 years, and some of you say, man, you didn't look a day over 30. Well, thank you. But the 51 years of my life, because I hadn't seen rebellion like this. I mean, you, you watch certain things. You, you look at that all this, this Occupy stuff all around our nation. And whether it's right or wrong, I'm not getting over that, but I'm just saying you just see how rebellion against authority, rebellion against... And it's just not in the United States. It's all over the place. This is what it's talking about. Now, for time's sake, jump with me there, and I, I just want to get to this. Start with me in verse 12. Ah, let's, let's, let's go back to verse 9. Oh, man, I've got to read. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxury with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, talking about the world, standing at a distance for fear of her, torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Now look at this in the next few verses. Merchandise of gold, and of silver, have we ever seen gold and silver at the prices they're at right now? Never. Precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, incense, frankincense, uh, fragrant oil, frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, and chariots, and bodies, and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchant of these things who became rich by her. Now what he's talking about is, is our, our society, it flows off of merchants and merchandise. The merchants represent money. The merchandise represents things. 
Have you, and I said this last week, have you guys ever seen such a, a consumer society? I'm t- we are consumers. We like to buy. We love to buy. And so he's telling us here through these, these are some of the things that will mark the end time. Now let me say this in ending. Is it wrong for me and you to buy things? No. It's wrong when we get out of balance. Now the Lord himself said that don't lay up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. You know what he said? Matthew 7, 21, he said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So here's what I got to ask myself, guys. It's Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 is where that's at. I got to ask myself this question. Um, all the things I'm gaining, is it for me? Is it for me to advance the kingdom of God? All these things, guys, one day, they're going to come to an end. And you know what? We may have padded ourselves with all these things and said, I got security. You know what? I'm going to coast through. I'm going to tell you guys, I don't care what you got. You may have the greatest sentiment in the world and frankincense. And these ain't going to do you no good. It's going to come down to what I have with Jesus the Lord. And so listen, don't let these things consume you. Stand up with me. I got I to dismiss. You know what it comes to, guys? A condition of my heart. Of being prepared. Did I stay prepared? I stay ready. This doesn't mean God doesn't want you to enjoy life. Because I'm going to tell you right now, my life is the best my life has ever been. And it's centered around Jesus. I don't go home on Friday nights and cry because I can't go out and act like the world. I rejoice that when I get up on Saturday mornings, I haven't spent all my money and I'm throwing it up in the toilet. I rejoice that when I get up on Saturday mornings, I feel great. And my wife says, you look great. I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't want you to think this stuff of being a Christian, it's a bummer. It's tough being a It ain't tough being a Christian. It's awesome. It's joy. It's the real deal, guys. And so that's what we got to understand. Bow your head or the nursery workers are going to shoot me tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Just, just saturate us here.